The podcast you're about to listen to includes true tales of sexual adventure. And that means that this is going to be explicit and graphic. So shoo that toddler out of the room and let's have a private moment. Just me and you. Okay? Thanks. never fit but I won't complain and I won't quit I am enormous get used to it everyone tells me I'm too much maybe it's just you're not enough for me can't you see I'm the kind of woman I'm supposed to be Welcome to the Body Storytelling Podcast. I am sexual folklorist Dixie Delatour, and this is episode 95. Well, I hope your week's been going better than mine has, because this week was a little challenging, let's say. This week, I had a first, and that first was that I missed my own show for the first time ever. In pretty much 13 years, I missed my own show. I'm not really happy about that. I'm not happy about a lot of the elements of this story, but I'm going to tell them to you anyway, because I guess I'm too lazy to keep a diary. And people have been emailing me and messaging me on Facebook to ask what's been going on, because if you're on social media, you might have seen that I had a lot of health problems this week. We had a body on Friday, October 25th. And the day before, I had a bit of a stomach ache. And I wasn't sure what was going on, but I had a lot of storytellers who wanted final story coaching. They wanted to feel really prepared. They wanted to do a great job. As the day went on, I was more and more in pain. It became like this stabby kitchen knife kind of thing. There's this area on a fat girl that right below your belly, you have um, what we like to call the smile, where your body meets the lower part of your belly. It's just above your bits. The pain just kept getting worse and worse. I started falling down on the job. I couldn't do it. This was going to be show eight of the tour of 11. I had done a show the week before in Chicago. I'd been spending the time in between preparing for the next tour dates. But Thursday, I just kept getting worse and worse. I did not sleep all night. I could not be comfortable. I was trying to find pillows to prop myself in a position where it didn't hurt and it just kept hurting. And so at five o'clock in the morning, I called a video doctor to have the video doctor kind of tell me whether I was being ridiculous. Like, this has got to be something simple, right? It can't be anything serious. And so uh, the video doctor asked me a bunch of questions and he said, well, nothing is conclusive. You've got like one symptom out of like five things. You have to go to the emergency room. And I'm like, no, not the emergency room. Because yes, I am one of those Americans who does not have insurance. And emergency rooms are very expensive. And I had a show to do. It's now Friday. 
uh, the show was that night, and I've never had to find a replacement for my own show. I racked my brain, but I wasn't thinking very clearly. I was in a lot of pain. So I started calling a bunch of people and saying, are you a grown-up? Because I need a grown-up to make a decision. I am not in the sort of place where I can make a decision. I ended up finding an incredible performer who performs all the times in Peaches Christ's productions, drag productions. She has been heard here on the podcast and her name is April Kidwell and she's a really good friend. My assistant Crystal came over, was ready to get everything together and take it to the venue for the show that night. And at about noon, I headed to the emergency room at San Francisco General. San Francisco General Hospital is one of the scariest places you will ever go in your life. Everybody who doesn't have insurance goes there. And it is also where all the prisoners in San Quentin, San Francisco Jail, everybody gets their medical treatment in general. So you often see people in orange jumpsuits, handcuffed to a gurney in a hall. And there's a lot of sheriffs wandering around. And there's a lot of people who are on drugs wandering around. So while you're in the waiting room, you know, hoping they're going to call your name, maybe in the next four hours, there's often, well, in this case, there was someone on a lot of drugs who was trying to challenge most of the people in the waiting room. He kept screaming things like, I can still run for president. Do you want a job? Or where's my $200,000, bitch? And he was trying to get everybody to engage with him. Everybody in the room who's probably already in pain are looking at the floor, not looking at each other, definitely not looking at him. And eventually they start getting me into the back. They they do blood, they do urine, they tell me they're going to do a CT scan. It's a very long, slow process. Eventually they get me to a room in the ER and I sit there and I wait by myself for hours before they wheel me in right about the time I'm supposed to go on stage they wheel me in for a CT scan and then they wheel me back to my room and I wait by myself everyone I know is at my show right now six blocks away from the hospital that I'm in and they're all very busy doing my show every once in a while somebody will send me a quick little video or send me a picture and say we love you and we're thinking about you But it feels really weird to have other people do your job. And I'm still in pain. (laughs) Eventually, right about the time the show is supposed to end, 10.30 or so, this doctor comes in with a resident. And they come into the room and they look very serious and say, there are two things that are definitely concerning us. And I'm like, okay. This is not going to surprise you guys. The problem was with my butthole. I say it too much. I'm being punished. Actually, it was my colon. He told me I had a perforated colon. We talked about the perforated colon for a minute. You know, I said, well, I'm going to New York to do a show. And he says, you can't fly with a perforated colon. And I'm like, you can't? And then I kind of am trying to problem solve that one because I'm thinking well I'm not doing my job right now here in San Francisco what do I do about my show in New York this week so I'm still kind of turning that one over when I hear the word cancer and I'm like wait what back up a little bit did you say cancer and he goes well yeah 
Um, there is a spot on your liver and we're really concerned about you. You're going to be checked into the hospital. We're going to do a biopsy on your liver. We're going to do a colonoscopy. We have to do these things as soon as possible. By the way, you have to stop eating. And I hadn't eaten since Wednesday night. It's now Friday night. And I'm getting pretty hungry. And he says, uh, you know, you have 15 minutes and then we're taking all food and water away from you. You can't have anything else because you're going to have a bunch of tests. And I'm like, well, I was starving like five minutes ago, but... Do you think I'm hungry now because you just told me I might have cancer? And he's like, well, you got 15 minutes. And I text my partner, Bent. And I said, could you come down here? Because I'm freaking out. And I started spiraling off the planet. (laughs) I started going, oh my God, how do I do what I do? If I have cancer, how do I pay for chemo and cancer treatment if I have no insurance? All of these things that I'd taken for granted forever, that I'm a workhorse. I will seriously put in whatever it takes, but this means I might not be able to do my job. And I found that terrifying. Ben showed up a little bit later and we sat and cried in my room. And I said, what do we do? And he's like, I don't know. We just sobbed together and held each other's hands and he said I'm with you no matter what and I'm like this is the scaredest I've ever been in my life and pretty soon not long after Ben showed up this young woman came into my room and started typing on the computer near the foot of my bed we weren't really paying attention because people had been coming in and out of the room she looks at us and we're crying And she goes, hey guys, what's going on? And I'm like, maybe cancer? She's like, maybe cancer? And I'm like, yeah. This doctor came in and said I had to stay because they have to do liver biopsies and colon tests. And and she goes, uh, hang on a minute. And it turns out she's a doctor. And she says, uh, let me finish typing this. And then she looks at the results and she comes over and, you know, says hello. Her name's Molly. She's a doctor. And she's like, okay, so since that first doctor came in, we ran a whole bunch more tests on that initial CT scan. Like the first one, that was the initial result. And he came in and told you the initial result. But we've run a whole bunch more scans on it, quad scans and other kinds of scans. And we had four different technicians evaluate the results. And so we have different results now. And I'm not really trusting that the rug's not being pulled out from underneath me. And I'm like, okay. And she goes, well, you've got a severe infection in your intestine. And we are going to admit you to the hospital for that. But the thing going on with your liver, our best guess is that you have a little strawberry birthmark, just a cluster of cells on your liver. And he looked at it, and he saw a spot on your colon, and he saw a spot on your liver, and he decided that you had colon cancer and it had metastasized to your liver. But we have better information now, and we don't think that's what's happening. And we just sat there in shock. She said, we're going to check you into a room. There's going to be wayless people on drugs wandering around the hall on the floor that we're going to put you on. And uh, we're going to do more tests in the morning. And eventually... 
They corralled all the people on drugs who were wandering around the floor. And they found an orderly to take me up to the fifth floor. And they put me in a room. And they ran another test on me. And they said, yep, we're confirming what doctor number two said. And I'm like, I don't have a perforated colon. They're like, two out of three doctors say you don't. Two out of three doctors say it's not cancer right now. It might be one day, but right now it's not. They gave me a big bag of antibiotics and sent me home. And I haven't slept. I've had an existential crisis ever since it happened. All I can do is just think about what I've done with my life. Because you only get one. And have I done the best job that I could with this life? And that was a very long story. And I just want to tell you that uh, I am getting on a plane to go to... In fact, by the time this episode comes out, I will be in New York. And I will be hosting in New York. Because when I say I'm going to do something, I do my damnedest to do it. And I'm not going to be at 100%, but I'm going to do the best job I can. So there you go. A lot of people wanted to know what was going on with my health this week. That's what it is. And this is what happens when you say the word butthole too much. Stuff like this. I am a cautionary tale for you. There you go. I know you like this podcast. You know how I know that? Because you're listening to it right now. And you can help this podcast continue by supporting us on Patreon. Patreon is a way to support the projects that you want to keep seeing out there in the world. You make it happen. Go to patreon.com slash body. Should I spell it all? You know how to spell it by now. And donate at whatever level you can. We have so many different things. You can get on a chat with me. We can work on story coaching. And story coaching is like my favorite thing to do in the world. I love helping people find their story. I love pulling out the little details so that you are understood in this whole new way. Storytelling is a way for other people to get you. And I want people to get you. We've also got rewards like you and your friends can have your own private body storytelling with me as the host in your house if you want. I'll come to your house. So if you'd like to see this podcast keep growing, then go to patreon.com. I spelled it. B-A-W-D-Y. And support us at whatever level you can. Thank you in advance for your support. It means so much. Have you heard about Manscaped, the number one brand in men's below-the-belt grooming? Let me tell you about it. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for you or your partner's family jewels. Because we don't want you using the same trimmer on your face and on your balls. Use the Lawnmower 2.0 and protect yourself or the balls of a loved one. It has proprietary skin-safe technology and it won't nick your nuts. You can help defeat ball sweat with their Crop Preserver Anti-Chafing Deodorant and Moisturizer. Because this thing's the perfect gift. You seem thoughtful and you can make untrimmed pubes a thing of the past. And right now, you can go to manscaped.com and use the promo code Dixie and get 20% off and free shipping. If you love a schlong as much as I do, then it's time to get clean. Save 20% and get free shipping when you go to manscaped.com and use the code D-I-X-I-E. Smell you later. Just a reminder that I'm working on a project that requires your voice. 
please send me your voice memo. And it's really simple to send a voice memo. You've got a cell phone. Your cell phone has a voice memo app on it. Just hit record. Send me a message. I want to make something that includes the people who are part of body storytelling. And that's you. Send me your voice memo. Just hit upload and attach it to an email and send it to bodystorytelling at gmail.com or dixie at bodystorytelling.com. Either of those places will get to me. And do it soon because the project's soon. I've been trying to wait to tell you what it's going to be. I want to surprise you, but you're going to have to send it to me by next week if it's going to happen, okay? Thanks in advance for being part of this. You don't think I could actually do this body storytelling thing all by myself, right? I have volunteers and a team that help me put on shows month after month. And I want to tell you about my most steadfast, most reliable sidekick. She worked in Yosemite for over 10 years as a pastry chef at the Iwani and as a high camp cook at Sunrise High Sierra Camp. Hi, high campers. She has traveled to South Africa, to Thailand, to Cambodia. She has worked in New Zealand at an apple packing plant, and she has driven across the country three times. She has won best of body three times, and she's the one who made body storytelling happen this week while I was in the hospital, not doing my job for the very first time. And somebody had to make things happen behind the scenes. She's the one who did it. Came to my house got everything, pulled it together. I found a host and the show went on while I laid in a hospital bed. She's amazing. And she's one of my favorite people in the world. This story is from Crystal Crow. little dance was because I move and I'm not allowed to move <laughs> but um I love trolling okay cupid I think it's the most fabulous thing ever flip photo no flip photo no flip photo no hey I ran into this profile it was called charlie 2004 and when I first saw it there wasn't even a whole face it was this smirk and I was like, what's that about? You know, you always want to know if there's more pictures. So I clicked on it and there was only one. But then I started reading his profile and it had words like BDSM and poly, degradation, flogging, spanking. Ooh, I want all of these things. So I sent him a quick message. Hey, I'm Crystal. Yes, I use my real name because that's my name. <laughs> <laughs> I just waited like a day and he sent me a response. He's like, hey, I really like your pictures. And one of my pictures is me getting in this hot tub and I'm naked. And he's like, you do know you're naked on OkCupid. And I'm like, yep, I do. <laughs> and we exchanged text and he asked me if he could call me. And so I sent him my phone number. And I guess in the world of profiles, this is really risque, but I was going for it. And he called me and he asked me what I was into and... I kind of was like, uh, I don't know. What are you into? <laughs> I read your profile, but, you know. And, 
you know, I, so I told him, and what I did was is I got really creative, because we were only talking on the phone, and I lived 400 miles away, and I figured this is really safe, so I went deep. I went back to the romance novels that I masturbated to when I was 14. I went back to the penthouse letters that I read. I got those DVDs, 30 Men for Sandy, Unleashed 1, 2, and 3. You need all of them. And I told him about all these things that I wanted. I wanted to be tied up and flogged, and I wanted to be, you know, dagger dated. That word always tricky. I wanted to be called a pig. I wanted to be called a slut. Do it for me. Come on. And he did. And it was amazing because it was so accepted and perfect. And let me go back for a minute because I was... 19 when I met my first boyfriend, my one and only relationship I have ever had, well, to this day. I was 22 when I was married. I was 23 when I was divorced. And from the age 23 to 34, I had a long string of one-night stands. I had meet men who would fuck me and then shame me for having sex with them on the first date. So for me to reveal myself to someone on the phone was like, all right, I can do this. He called me. It was safe. It was good. And I did this for 10 months. It was kind of amazing. And then I decided that I needed a social life. And at the time, I was living in Yosemite, and Charlie 2004 was living in Oakland. But my family happens to own a house in Oakland. So I moved here. <laughs> <laughs> to change the parameters of a relationship, but when you call someone that you've been talking really dirty sex to on the phone for 10 months who had no intention of ever meeting you, that you just moved 22 blocks away from him, <laughs> he's going to freak the fuck out, and that's exactly what happened. So he's kind of panicked, and he quit talking to me. No messages, no phone calls for six weeks. I had just moved to a new town. I was enjoying it. But I still, in the back of my head, was like, where'd he go? Out of the blue, he calls me. And he says, hey, I know I haven't talked to you in a while, but you've been on my mind. And I was wondering if you have tonight available. I'm like, for what? Like, <laughs> you want to go coffee? I don't drink coffee. What do you want? Like, <laughs> He said, no, I would like you to come over to my house and maybe talk about what we've been talking about for the last 10 months. Now, let's go back and refresh your memories, but I made a lot of that stuff up. <laughs> I won't lie, a lot of that shit's sexy as fuck when somebody else is doing it, but now all of a sudden, I'm gonna get flogged and I'm gonna be called a piggy. Um... <sighs> Okay. <laughs> so, literally, three hours after the phone call, I get in my car, and I drive to Oakland, went in front of his house, and it's on the nicer side, north towards Berkeley, so, you know. I parked in a red zone in front of a fire hydrant and blocked a driveway. I was so nervous. <laughs> I didn't know this until later on, but still, it's very, very, very crazy. <laughs> I was like... But I got out of my car and I ran to one apartment, shook the door, wrong apartment. He's standing on the porch, just high. 
And I walk up to him and he kisses me on the cheek and he says, welcome, come on in. Now I'm 5'4 and he's about this tall. It was hot. (laughs) And I went into the apartment, still terrified, not knowing what was going to happen, but, you know, acting all bravado and, yeah, I can own this. And I went in and he sent me through my paces and the first thing he told me was take off all your clothes. And I was like, okay. (laughs) I didn't get to say much after that because he put a ball gag in my mouth because that was his fantasy. I got to nod my head yes or no. And I did a lot of what we talked about. He tied me up. He flogged me. He played with his toys like he knew me. Wait, he did know me. (laughs) He did everything that we had talked about. And I was just thinking in my head going, this is cool. (laughs) For the first time in my life, nobody's making fun of me. Nobody's walking out on me. I love this. And he took me into the bedroom and proceeded to fuck me for four and a half hours of every which way. And (laughs) he used me like I was his dirty little cunt and I loved every little minute of it. And in the end, he untied me and he laid me back on his bed and he cuddled around me his six foot five-ish frame and wrapped around my body and fell asleep with me in his arms. And he just loved me. I later learned that that was called aftercare. (laughs) (laughs) And now I need that. And he was so amazing. He helped me get dressed and he kissed me again as he walked me to the doorway. And he said, thank you. I love what we did. I got in my car and I screamed like a 16-year-old on her birthday. (laughs) Did I really just do that? And I was like, oh yeah, I did. But I was also aware of the fact that one, my car hadn't gotten towed or ticketed. And I felt like that was, um, I don't know what the word is, but it was a moment of like, for the longest time in my life, I would have sex with men and they would never speak to me again or act like they didn't know me. And for the first time, someone loved me, loved what I had done, loved every interaction. And just like not having a ticket, (laughs) I was okay. And it was amazing. And I never talked to him much after that. We got together one more time. And now I hear his voice and I get wet.
was Into the Wild by LP. Baldy Storytelling's upcoming tour dates are sponsored by Hashtag Open, a sex-positive dating app that's committed to a truly diverse community. It's a dating app for the open-minded. 
If you identify as LGBTQIA, straight, disabled, monogamous, polyamorous, swinger, kinky, or body positive, there is a place where you can truly be yourself. Maybe you're gender nonconforming or heteroflexible, no problem. Hashtag Open has more than 20 options for gender and sexual orientation to choose from, or you can write in your own. You can create a solo profile, a partnered profile, or both. You can find friendship, dating, hookups, relationships, whatever you want. The point is they want you to be you. Go to hashtagopen.com body to download the app today. Did I mention that Hashtag Open donates a dollar to Planned Parenthood for every new profile created? So don't wait. Go to hashtagopen.com B-A-W-D-Y and start making authentic connections today. What's my most favorite thing? You know what it is. It's seeing your face at a live body storytelling. I mean, podcasts are stories, but there's this added element of people in person playing bango and making new friends. And I can't get you late if you don't leave the house. So coming out in person is a big deal, a big deal for you. We also have cocktails and we have stories that may not be heard on the podcast. So when you show up in person, you get everything. So I want to tell you about upcoming live body storytellings. Well, as you're listening to this, Wednesday, October 30th, I'm in New York about to step on stage at Chelsea Music Hall. Remember, the New York show had a time change. We're going to be starting at 7.30. So doors at 7, show at 7.30. And it's my only East Coast date. So please, if you possibly can, I want to see you tonight at Chelsea Music Hall. Then on November 7th, it's Jackpot in Seattle. I'm getting some pitches, but I don't think I've got yours yet. So please send me your story pitch beginning, middle, and end to Dixie at BodyStorytelling.com. And then on November 14th in San Francisco, the theme is Gasm. It's a brand new theme, and I'm looking for stories. And then it's the week before Thanksgiving, and the tour is over. And I'm going to be taking long, hot baths and taking Quake for long walks and rewarding myself for all this travel. So there's going to be a little break. See me while there's not a break. Come see me in Seattle, San Francisco, or better yet, New York. Tickets for all of our shows are on our website, bodystorytelling.com. And they're also in the show notes for this episode. it's over. We're at the end of the episode. I want to say thank you to the people who make Body Storytelling's podcast happen. Thank you to podcast producer Marty Garcia, to sound engineer David Grossoff, to video archivist Joe Moore, to project manager Dana Hanna, and thank you to you. I want to say a special thank you to you for going somewhere and writing a review, writing not the stars, not talking about the stars. I'm talking about writing a review of body storytelling. That makes me so excited when I get to see what you think. It helps me make it better knowing what you like. Thanks for doing that. Tell a friend. I'll see you at a live show sometime soon. I am sexual folklorist Dixie De La Tour. You have been listening to episode 95 of the Body Storytelling Podcast. And here's a peek at what's next. So he bent me right back over and started pounding me again until he came. And I felt it. (laughs) It might have been the drugs, but also might have been... (laughs) It was definitely love. Love at first 
uh, spit roast. 